This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Five bucks a month. You'll get ad-free episodes and an exclusive bonus episode. And let me give a huge thank you to some of our more recent supporters. They include James W., Jack M., Jeremy C., Brian C., Unknown Atheist, Mark H., Help, I'm trapped in a podcast factory. I hope you're okay. Patrick, August S., Shannon L., Joshua M., Christopher W., and Wesley H. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Thanks, gang. And welcome back after two weeks. Yeah, I fully forgot that we weren't recording last week. And so up until like 5 o'clock, I was ready to go. I'm like, oh, I have the night off. Oh, (laughs) great news. Great news for me. I hope people enjoyed the interview from last week. Mm -hmm. And the downside of taking a week off is that there are like 47 stories. Uh, We'll see how many we get to These are always a lot. Also, apologies if I sound slurry uh i went to the dentist today half my face is still pretty numb and Hemet was pretty impatient so yep and i'm like we go. slurry words yeah we're good to I'm go i'm drinking dr pepper out of a straw <laughs> <laughs> so i thought i would start with good news before all the horrible things and like the lawsuits oh my goodness Lots so many lawsuits, lawsuits. Cool. but some good news to start the day which is that according to research from the Cooperative Election Study, which I know you haven't heard of it, but it's just a big, giant study of a lot of people. Sure. Um, And this was analyzed by sociologist Ryan Burge, who focuses on this stuff better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. The youngest people in the country, Generation Z, these Mm -hmm. are people born after 96, Mm -hmm. 48% of them have no religious affiliation. Did you say 48%? Eight. Like half? Like half. Like fully half. Yeah. Like half? Like half. Not only that, Generation Z has gone up on the no religion numbers. Uh-huh. Like in the course of their lifetime, like six years ago, it was at 39%. Uh-huh. Even that's jumped up for the within the generation. Wow. And every other older generation has also been going up, if not as much as 48%, except for like the very oldest, which is wavery a little bit. The silent generation still kicking. <laughs> they're still kicking. Like they're increasingly non religious, slight dip at the very end. But like by and large, the story here is that about half of Generation Z, mm. non religious, which is wild. Uh, according to Burge, it seems statistically justifiable to say that by the time the United States has another presidential election, half of Gen Z will identify as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. And I will predict that by 2024, Democrats still won't care and still won't pander and still not try to win over those votes, just assuming they have that whole demographic locked up. Um, But... I mean, you're just speaking the way black people have spoken for the last <laughs> century. Yes, Fair. it sucks. Sucks to suck sometimes. They take us for granted. They sure do. Um, but what is the option? Right. Vote GOP? Uh, yeah, no. I shan't. Of course not. Um, the religious breakdown among Generation Z, you have 31% of people who are nothing in particular, which mm-hmm. is the biggest 
chunk of this base. Um, you have 9% who are agnostic. You have 9% who are atheists. So 9%? that's where this number is coming from. Huh. 31 uh, Rounded. You have 31% who are nothing, 9% agnostic, 9% atheist, hmm. another 8% that are just something else. Oh, um, like and Wiccan? Then, like what's something yes, else? Like what's yes. not included? That's in Wiccan, pagan, whatever it is. Dope. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm into this. And like 20% Protestant, 15% Catholic. But again, even if you combine Protestant yeah. and Catholic, um, you still don't hit, come close to the yeah. non-religious uh, numbers, which is wild. Gen Z, man. Bringing yeah. back scrunchies and democracy. <laughs> Uh, Burge also added 38% of Generation Z never attends religious services. 38? 38. Wow. While 70% of Gen Z said, eh, I attend once a year at most. So they'll that go for Christmas. That's how I grew up. Yeah. So. Pretty much. Um, Here's your future, gang. <laughs> which is, I mean, at a time when churches are trying to pass the torch to a new generation of leaders, right. it looks like they have fewer options than ever before. Mm-hmm. And even then, those younger leaders are going to have a harder time trying to bring, bring new people right. into the fold because none of their friends want to join up. What are they, like, what's <laughs> there for them? Yeah. And this is the thing I want to mention because the survey never goes into why are all these people non-religious, so we're left to speculate, at least based on these numbers. But I'm just going to chime in with sure. my thinking as to why this is happening. The most powerful churches in the country, the ones that get any attention... By and large, they've gone political in all the wrong ways, not Mm -hmm. just in terms of voting. They are anti-LGBTQ. They are Mm anti-abortion. They are anti-vaccine. They don't want women preaching in church. They don't acknowledge the existence of trans people. Then then you... Those are all more recent issues, yeah. but on top of all that, they still spread lies about sex. They mm-hmm. work to ban books. They oppose racial justice. They downplay climate emergencies. Uh, they demonize public schools. They celebrate assault weapons. Yeah. They, and then on top sure. of that, they endorse right-wing candidates who live out none of their supposed values. Mm-hmm. And even when you confront them with the harm they are causing they just they shield stick their fingers their criticism, in their ears and, and yell. they're like, well, Jesus, therefore yeah. I can do whatever I want. I know not every church is like that, but evangelical megachurches are. Southern Baptist Convention, Mormon Church, Catholic Church. I mean, institutionally, mm-hmm. they are behind all those bad things. And if you're a younger person, even if you're not like us in terms of being explicitly like anti-religion mm-hmm. in many ways... Why would you want to be a part of those groups when they are causing so much harm mm-hmm. to the people you care for, to yourself? Um, it, hard to imagine. Makes me, uh, it, it, do you think this was inevitable? Do you think it's possible for churches to exist with the stronghold they have over the last couple centuries while the internet exists? Because you just, I, I feel like so much of like religious fervor is sort of based in isolation. You know, that's why, like, cults and things like that, when they escalate, they they physically remove themselves from other places because as soon as you lose an outside perspective, right? Like, you, you know, as, soon as, as soon as you lose your outside perspective, it's easier to go along with whatever the person is saying in front of you. Mm-hmm. But most people, unless their parents are very strict and, like, they're homeschooled and they highly monitor their media use and things like that, most people have access to... 
other opinions and other things in the world. You're saying if they have access to information, access to the mm-hmm. internet, you can't live in a bubble anymore. Right. It's a lot easier to leave these churches. Right. So it wasn't inevitable. As soon as like knowledge was available out there, is it inevitable people are going to leave their religion? To me, it feels yes, but I'm curious. I don't think that helps. I mm. think that was probably more true a decade, two decades ago as this stuff became more easy to reach. Like it's very hard to not have any internet access no matter where you are. I think because in terms of access to more information and not living in a bubble, Mm -hmm. I don't think much has changed from let's say 10 years ago. I think that's fair. Right? So the question is why is the, why are the numbers still rising within like from two years ago, from four years ago? Because in terms of finding information, that hasn't really changed. There's more of it. Okay. There's, So two things have happened, right? Two things have happened. We have access to the internet and we are putting spotlights on like Catholic child abuse. We are understanding science in a way and being aware that like the church is actively denying science and harming people. Do you think? And my point is that was all going on 10 years ago, 15 years ago. That hasn't changed. What has changed is the role a lot of these institutions have taken Unlike, think of any moral issue of our time, mm-hmm. they've been, by on and large, on the wrong of side of them. Um, I mean, I know that was true with, like, gay rights yeah. 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was. But and like civil rights before that. And civil rights before that. But even today, I mean, it's not like they've changed on any right. of that stuff, but they've found new moral issues to be wrong about. And they're just giving young people more and more reason mm-hmm. to say, look, if you're looking for decency, if you're looking for moral a moral yeah. high ground, well, you won't find it here. And maybe you will find it in, uh, listen, there are plenty of religious activists who mm-hmm. do really good work on all sure. of this stuff. Absolutely. Th- those are not the churches I'm talking about. But you might, if you feel like I'm compelled by my sense of justice, right. I want to make the world a better place then go work with an activist group. Go find a nonprofit group that lives out your cause that you believe in. You're not going to find that necessarily in your church. Mm -hmm. And so whatever, even if you are Christian, but you feel a sense of racial justice, you want to fight for that. You want to fight for LGBTQ rights. Church isn't the place to do it. You're going to have to go somewhere else. Well, in addition, I think that churches seem to me, or the ones that are kind of public facing in some way, are looking for an enemy. They're looking for their next Satan, their next devil to fight. It was gay people, gay marriage passed, and that was fine. And now we're on to drag queens are the big problem. And it's getting more and more ridiculous, right? Like, it's, okay, the whole gay community is doing whatever. Like, all right, that feels like it could be eminent, but, like, drag queens? The the pitch of the dog whistle changes, but they will always keep harping on, like, whatever vulnerable group they think they can blame for everything. It's kind of becoming more unserious, is how I would put it. Like... (laughs) Like, the abortion thing, the gay rights thing, like, you can kind of see how they can twist that into being, like, something that actually They've had affects plenty of them. years of practice. But the drag queens, which is, like, all anybody's fucking talking about now, and according to my timeline, <laughs> th- that is just something that's kind of impossible for most reasonable people to get riled up about. Because it's very much just, like, don't bring your kid to the public library if that's happening. Like, nobody's... Yeah bringing them to your house and making you do it, right? So it's a less serious Which was also argument. the same argument we made back with, like, you're blaming gay marriage for everything. It's like, then don't get gay married. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't affect We're you. We're all fine with that. Right. The same way as, like, if gay people 
get married, your marriage is also there still regular. <laughs> like it doesn't make yours worse. Like, like if I don't, your I'm, marriage is worse because gay people got married, that's on you, yeah, buddy. Like, marriage isn't supposed to be about exclusivity. <laughs> like it's not a cool club you get to. Well, kind of because we get tax breaks. <laughs> but that's the the point. They will always find a new group to punish, yep. to argue against. Again, they take the wrong side of all these easy moral issues. And if you're a young person and you're forming your opinions on a lot of these big issues. Mm-hmm. At what point are you supposed to look around and say, if I'm looking for the people with the sense of authority Mm -hmm. and common sense and making the world a better place, you're not finding it in any of these religious institutions. You have to search elsewhere for that. And maybe it's Mm -hmm. a smaller church Mm -hmm. that doesn't have the pressure of like, well, a megachurch pastor who says like, no, I'm cool with trans people. They're out of a job and people will leave their church. Smaller churches won't have that pressure, so they're more likely to do it. But the point is the biggest institutions are the least susceptible to change. Mm -hmm. So they're just pushing the same bigotry as always. And again, younger people who have grown up surrounded by people harmed by the church, Mm -hmm. it's hard to escape it. And then why would you want to join it? So Well, and what positivity... Do we see, and obviously you and I are like, you know, looking through the news and finding negative news, but how frequently do we see this church did this really great, cool thing that was only good for everybody and not like, oh, we sent Bibles to Haiti. Like, cool. If I do see genuinely good things, it's usually a one-off event. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there was someone struggling and we bought that person a car or something. Like, that's very nice. I'm glad you spent X amount of dollars and canceled medical Mm -hmm. debt. It would be a lot better if you got your entire church to only vote for politicians who supported (laughs) universal health care. So it's like a publicity stunt when they're doing something good for everybody. Like the Mr. Beast thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you need, especially from these large institutions, is the long-term uh, moral high ground, yeah. not a short-term thing that gets you good publicity. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're lacking because, of course, the core things they stand for hurt good, innocent people. And younger people are wiser to that, which yeah. I'm glad they are. Truly. Um, I have a question for yeah. you. What do you think is going to be the next moral panic? Because I did not have drag queens on my bingo card. I'll tell you that. So we've already got like book burning. Right, right. So that's done. Like, it seems like we have to find an somehow even smaller I think it is harder to find out which marginalized group they're going to go after next because the whole point of it is there is no logical progression to them. It really is (laughs) just like see what sticks against the wall. Like, do you think it's going to be like, bikers or something like that like bikers are all gay no that's nothing it it could be it could be why not well okay what have we had lately the bud light thing the course light thing (laughs) ahead of pride month right disney they've gone after disney i don't know what's going on there anymore they went after oh what else i'm never gonna use x again that feels... I mean, they'll fit anything and everything in there and see what The sticks. state of California. Dra- yeah. Drag queens <laughs> for the right wing has stuck yeah. for some reason, even though they represent, like, what, no percent of the population. I mean, right. these are such it's small so events. Neg- in- negligible right. in terms of population. Same with, like, the, it, the trans thing. As everyone's freaking the fuck out, it's like, it's not... You're not... In, they're not coming to get you. Like you just probably have a couple trans I kids in where your I heard school. This today, but the idea that trans is being used as a verb, as if like schools are trying to trans your kids, they are trying oh, see, to that's transition. That's a crime them. against nature and, and English grammar. language. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But that's the thing. They will always find something. And as soon as... Trying to trans your kids. How stupid. And as soon as people wise up to it, as soon as people... uh, As soon as it becomes too bigoted even for that crowd, Mm -hmm. they'll just move on to the next thing. There's no logic to it. And again, this is what I appreciate about the survey results and the fact that younger people aren't buying Mm -hmm. their bullshit. It's that it's just not working. And they got to push even harder Mm -hmm. to get the bigots at their core to stick around. Yeah. Uh, You got to make them fear something. Yeah. Uh, In the bonus episode, I'm going to tell you a story of how I was hanging out with a bunch of Gen Z kids who were on a tour of my barn when I got the news that Trump was arrested. And it was (laughs) good times, great old days. Party, yeah. And a teen said, not Scotty giving you that side eye. Scotty's a horse to me. So I think the teens (laughs) like like me because I think that's a slang. That's a slang. I said, I want to be very clear about that. I'm sl- can am I slurring? I genuinely can't tell. Nope, but you I just am sound like you're sure. You sound like Steve Buscemi in the backwards <laughs> hat. All right, I want to move on to this story that just happened yesterday. Uh, but the Maryland Attorney General released a massive report on Catholic sex abuse, mm. um, and this has been happening for years now. And yeah, every time a new Attorney General is like, "Well, we had a grand jury too yeah. investigating the archdiocese in our state." And here's the nine gazillion page report about what they've done. Is this like the Supreme Court? Do we know these are coming or is it just like surprise? It's Um, the release date. Well, in this particular case, four months ago, uh, the attorney general in Maryland, Anthony Brown, said, we finished our investigation. We have a report ready to go. The Catholic Church is like, oh, you can't publish it because it has identifying details of people uh, who are just alleged criminals. And like, we can't we can't but publicly mention, whatever. So there was a long period of what needs to be redacted, what not. I see. So after four months, this week, they finally released the redacted copy of this report. It's 463 pages. Fuck me. Uh, happy Easter. Oh, boy. And How here's much have the you read so line. far? Oh, I, okay, here's the thing about this. Do you read them? I, there's like 30 pages that summarizes mm. what they found and then hundreds of pages of individual stories. Oh, and if you start trying to read those individual stories, Are you they're tell them all, all hard to me again? No. But I will tell you, you did the that before general, it was miserable. I, it was, and you deserve to hear it. <laughs> um, but if you look at the summary, here's what they found. They just looked at the Baltimore Archdiocese, the biggest one in the state. And what they found is that so over is that all Catholic churches in Baltimore, all the Catholic churches within under, under that umbrella diocese. of okay. the diocese of I don't uh, know Baltimore. the hierarchy of the Catholic it's all good. Church. They found over six hundred children victims mm. over. Uh, they said, "quote it's over sixty but, years, right?" Uh, since nineteen forty. Mm. So yeah, oh. more than sixty years. 80 years. Um, no, 60 years, because it stopped at like 2002. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay, um, I got you. But they found over 600 children victims, but the number is likely far higher, of course. they said. They were abused by 156 predators who were working for the church. Most of them were priests. Some of them held other roles in the Catholic Church. Most of those predators who were named in the report are now dead. Some of them, and I'm talking like a handful, maybe a dozen or so, they are redacted. They are still alive. They were not previously suspected of any wrongdoing, mm. which is interesting. That is interesting. Um, but also, how the, do we know they weren't suspected of wrongdoing? The church never said, like, the church over the course of the so past the several years. The church didn't suspect them of wrongdoing. Yeah, they have put out 
uh, releases where they've said, listen, these are names we have agreed. Yeah. Like, these are people identified as predators, and we will release their names for the sake of transparency. And they did that years ago in Baltimore, and that list had, I think, uh, 50-some names? 57 names wow. in 2002. These are credibly accused priests. <laughs> that was in 2002. In 2019, they were like, we got an update. Um, there are 23 more names to the list. More names. More names, okay. yeah. And they have a current list of credibly accused priests. It's at about 152 names. These are all people, the church itself has said, we investigated it, we looked at the allegations, we believe these are credibly accused priests. And we want to be clear, we did nothing about it. We did nothing about it. But they said but we most, did notice, don't worry. <laughs> almost all of those people on those lists are dead. But again, keep that number in mind, 152. That's what the church itself mm in Baltimore, says these are credibly accused. The Attorney General's report, which I don't care what the church puts yeah, out, yeah, yeah. These, this is their They've investigation. Pr- proven to be an unreliable narrator <laughs> of their own story. 156 predators, oh. and again, some of them were not mentioned by the church in the past. So this is not an overlapping oh, list here. Um, and here's what the summary said. Time and again, members of the church's hierarchy resolutely refuse to acknowledge allegations of child sexual abuse for as long as possible. Dot, dot, dot. Church documents reveal with disturbing clarity that the archdiocese was more concerned with avoiding scandal Mm. and negative publicity than it was with protecting children. Yes. That's, isn't that what we've said? Yeah. That's what we've been saying, gang. How come nobody listens to us? Is it because I'm drooling on myself? That is exactly (laughs) the reason why. And this is why we don't videotape (laughs) our episodes. Um, And here's what's also interesting. In terms of the summary that was in this report, Uh one thing you can always do with these is go to the end of the summary and see what does the grand jury in this case, what are their recommendations moving forward? Uh Because there is no justice to be found for the people who are dead, uh, for the predators who are dead. And the question is, are there legal ramifications here for the church? I think they should melt down all of their gold thrones and just (laughs) give them chunks of gold. Well, here's the issue that they wrote in the summary. Uh, Because Maryland recognizes a statute of limitations defense in civil cases... A defense that the archdiocese consistently chooses to rely upon, victims have no recourse if they are over the age of 38. And you have to realize there are a lot of 40, 50, 60-year-olds who were abused as children who don't necessarily know at the time what happened to them and only understand the trauma that it caused, the long-term effect that it has, much later in life. But the law as it stands Mm. says you can't do anything about it if it happened that long ago and you're much older now. So one of the recommendations, really the only recommendation Mm. made by the grand jury is you need to get rid of that law. Some states have done that or they opened up a little window of time when anything goes, whenever it happened to you, bring on your cases. So the report said, I'm going to quote this, it's important, 15 states, one five, now have no civil statute of limitations for some or all claims of child sexual abuse. 24 states have created a window during which claims may be brought or have allowed revival of expired claims. Maryland Maryland should pursue one of those paths to provide greater opportunity for victims to hold the archdiocese accountable. And guess what? They did it. As it stands, the day this report came out, the last vote was taken in Maryland to pass a bill to eliminate 
the statute of limitations oh, for these news. kinds of cases. It's wonderful. I think that was a coincidence that it happened on the same day, but it just awaits the governor's signature now, oh, and it appears that's going to happen. So if and when that happens... The archdiocese could soon become the latest in the Catholic Church wow. to declare bankruptcy to avoid paying out all these victims. But again, the, the bottom line here is, here's the latest report from a grand jury mm-hmm. from a secular government holding the church accountable. Right. And it found horror upon horror. I mean, if you want disturbing reading, read the grand jury report. And there are hundreds of pages of very disturbing stories, not just of abuse, uh-huh. but the church saying... Okay, we'll remove this predator from the mix uh, temporarily. Maybe we'll move them elsewhere. Maybe we'll put them in a different role. But I'm not going to get rid of them. And then there are then they go to harass other people in the future. There are plenty of people within the church's hierarchy who could have done something about it, but didn't. That's the story we hear time and time again. And I have to wonder, like, even if there are no legal consequences for the Catholic Church here. The only way the institution of the Catholic Church will truly suffer is if people who call themselves Catholic say, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not giving them my money. Maybe I still believe in God, but I'm not supporting this institution. And they leave. None of this is going to stop until Catholics themselves say, I cannot be part of this child sex ring that I am part of maybe through no fault of my own because i was raised in it or whatever but you know know what's interesting is thinking about like what the consequences of the catholic church should be not just the individuals but the the institution that that allowed this and and you know fostered this kind of behavior for so many years and the fact is that the only thing that is ever going to change anything in the system that we have right now is making it cost them money yeah. And unfortunately, the biggest that's, leverage. that's all we can do. And so I've just been thinking about like civil lawsuits and things like that where like, you know, somebody, the woman who got coffee spilled on her and she, and it burned the shit out of her and she got a bunch of money and everyone's like, oh, everyone's so frivolous litigious, lawsuit. Frivolous right. lawsuit. But the reality is McDonald's doesn't give a shit unless it costs them a lot of money. And the same is true. Of the Catholic Church. And it turned out in that story, the coffee actually was more hot. The coffee was dangerously hot. They had been warned. This woman had to go through surgeries. It's a nightmare story for this poor woman. But, like, the only way we can make the Catholic Church stay in line with the law is by fining them. And I guess I don't know why, if we now know that the church as an institution has been covering this up, and obviously we've seen it time and time again, I'm asking you, at what point does the government say this is a cult or children are unsafe or like, right? Like if if this happened to a school, if this happened to the Chicago public school system, I think Dan Savage says this all the time. Like if white castle or Arby's had this many predators, they would have shut down the chain a long time ago. That's exactly right. That's a really good point. And so do you know, is there anything that the, government can do to be like you are now deemed a danger to society like i know that sounds really dramatic but like 600 kids you said came forward 600 victims yeah so they or or at least were documented were documented and obviously there's more out there and this is just in baltimore in just this time like there's no way realistically they could shut down the church for doing it and the church is always going to say the church is fine it's the individuals that were messed up but that's the thing is the 
that is the thing that's killing me. The church is fighting the individuals that are messed up. So, and we know that individual is messed up, but we as an institution did not do anything. Even though we knew he was capable of this, we did not do anything to protect children out there. How is that not a crime? Yep. And they just hide behind their faith. I'm going to talk about one of those stories in a second. Okay. Um, so this is like corollary. So there's no answer. There's nothing there's no to answer. Done. Here's the corollary to that exact story. With spring finally in view, you might be thinking about inviting over some friends for an outdoor meal. I know I'm looking forward to that. And that means you should be thinking about ButcherBox. You can skip the grocery store knowing you have the food you trust in your freezer. I know that might sound strange coming from me since I'm vegetarian, but they have a high-quality veggie burger that I absolutely love. They have options for pescatarians, too. The food is high-quality, grass-fed, and free-range. More than anything, it'll give you peace of mind knowing everyone who eats it will enjoy it. You get free shipping, too. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a whole year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com friendly and use code friendly to choose your free offer and get $20 off. In Delaware right now, there is a proposed bill, we've seen it in other places too, that would basically break the sacramental seal. It would Mm, require priests to act as mandated reporters so that if they are in the confessional booth listening to confessions and hypothetically someone comes in and says, well, I've committed a grave sin. I, Mm. I molested. I, yeah, I molested a child. I'm, I'm guilty of that. Mm -hmm. What does, what are the obligations of the priest? They should go to the police. They should go to the police. And the argument from the church is that, well, that would be if they tell anybody what was said to them in a confessional, you are violating a sacrament. It's Mm -hmm. a religious thing. Um, And the law that Delaware is considering right now says uh, the exemption that applies for priests, Mm -hmm. even though it applies to, let's say, public school teachers, Mm -hmm. if you learn about abuse, you got to... Yeah. Um, That rule, the exemption, we would get rid of it. Priests would become mandated reporters. If they learn about abuse, they must report it to an official, that's the law in the book that they're working to pass right now. Mm-hmm. Now, if you care about children, that's a straightforward common sense bill. There's no reason Catholic priests, I mean, especially Catholic priests, mm. should be allowed to keep their knowledge of child abuse secret really? on the basis of their faith. It's really a two-pronged anti-child attack from the Catholic Church, eh? Yeah. And here's the problem. Um, like, the Delaware Catholic leaders mm-hmm. uh, in Delaware, of course, like all the Catholic absolutely leaders not. everywhere, are saying absolutely not. One guy said, this is Bishop William Koenig, who oversees the Catholic Diocese of Wilmington, said for a priest to break the seal of confession, he would be excommunicated, as if anyone cares. No, um, like, doesn't matter. But this is where it gets interesting. Um, Reverend James E. Connell is a retired priest from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Mm. Well, he heard about the Delaware law that was being considered, and he wrote an opinion piece for the Delaware News Journal where he said the exemption that applies to priests, that should go away. Here's what he wrote. Unquestionably, secrets have a proper place in our lives, but if secrets contribute to the abuse or neglect of a minor, that form of secrecy is immoral and detrimental to the common good of the society. As a result, governments should 
intervene such that while perhaps frustrating the free exercise of religion for some people, the greater good of protecting children from abuse or neglect would be enhanced for the common good of all people. Our society should protect children rather than protecting culprits. Great. Right on. Um, Now, I should also say that article, it's not like this was new coming from this guy because he's long been known Mm. as an advocate for victims of sex abuse. Mm. Um, I should point out that in 2009, he was accused of covering up abuse in Milwaukee, but the archdiocese denied it. The allegations never went anywhere. And he's actually, whatever happened then, he's been victim rights, victims rights groups have been like, no, he's on our side now. Whatever he did, he's been a strong supporter of the victims now. But guess what happened this week? This week, the Archbishop of Milwaukee said, oh, we saw what he wrote in Delaware, and uh, he's no longer going to be allowed to hear confessions. Whoa! (laughs) They punished this guy for suggesting out loud we should do away with the confessional exemption. Is there a class that, like, the Catholic Church and Elon Musk and Donald Trump all went to to just be like, hey, here's how to make the worst decision in any possible situation. (laughs) Don't worry. Something's going to happen to you, and we're going to tell you how to make it the worst outcome possible. CCD classes teach some weird stuff these days. So fucking wild. Um, And they pointed out... This is what... assholes really in the day, right? In the statement from the Archbishop of Milwaukee, he wrote, the false assertions of Father James Connell have caused understandable and widespread unrest among the people of God. Yeah, well. Well, Uh, He is to cease all such erroneous communications that distort the teachings of the church about the confessional seal. It's a lot of religious mumbo jumbo. Let them fight. (laughs) Let them fight. By all means. I will watch. I'll pay a ticket. The funniest, this isn't funny, but the funniest thing about this, the archbishop who basically announced that we're punishing this priest for saying we should care about kids, Mm -hmm. he closed his message by saying, the archdiocese of Milwaukee remains fully committed to the protection of all people from acts of abuse and neglect. However, I'll just stop there. However. Yeah. However, However, there are things that are more important than a a child's bodily well-being. Yeah. Yep. Fuck these people. Yeah. Like, Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, by the way, is a state where priests are allowed to keep confessions of abuse secret Mm-mm. because gerrymandered Republican state. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe not for long. But Can I do a teeny tiny rant on mm. this confession thing? Please. So the, I just don't understand how they can not think this is an okay idea unless they are worried to introduce cops into their church frequently, which frankly, I don't blame them. Not a fan of cops either. Not a fan of churches either. Again, let them fight. However, mentally, if somebody's holding something in and it's bothering them. Mm -hmm. Abuser. Yeah, I did something wrong. I feel guilty about it or I feel any kind of way about it. That's going to weigh on me as a as a person. If I can't talk to anybody about it safely, it is going to build in me mm-hmm. until maybe I. If you tell have a conscience some, at some a, point. If I have a conscience, yeah. I, okay, yeah. We're all assuming I'm not a sociopath at mm-hmm. this point. Let's just move forward with that assumption. <laughs> but if I get to vent about something and confess something in a judgment free zone, this is why we have friends so we can do this kind of thing and move on with our life. We feel better. We feel unburdened. 
So is that what we should be doing for people who have molested children? Do you think we should be unburdening them of their like moral issues? Because I think maybe a better idea would be to let it fucking simmer in there until he gets help or turns himself in or does something. Because if you go into a church, say, hey, I molested four kids, and the priest is like, oh, my son, do four yeah. Hail Marys or whatever, and you're good, my dude. What, like, how is this keeping society together? This oh, is yeah. just hell. This is like... This is what the Catholic Church. This is what the hierarchy of the Catholic Church says is more important. It's to unburden the sinner and keep the sin a secret. Yeah, that's what's more important. That's the important part of the Catholic Church, not protecting children. uh, Last Friday, uh, I forgot when I said the timeline of this. This all happened last week, but last Friday, after he was basically punished Uh for speaking out on behalf of victims. Uh, Father Connell uh, responded to all of this at a press conference where he basically said, uh, let's remove, he doubled down yes, on what he said before. Yes, yes, he said, yes. let's remove the obstacle of confidentiality so that police and law enforcement can do their jobs. I will not keep quiet. I will not be silent. This is all too important. Nice so, work. I mean, fucking so. therapists do that. Therapists sit and talk to each other, but like, they go to somebody else. Hey, how's this patient doing? This is what I'm dealing with this patient. Because that's good mental care. Just sitting in a box, listening to somebody say the thing they did wrong, and then absolving them and yeah. being like, okay, if you do it again, don't forget, we'll forgive you again. <laughs> like, how is this, this helpful? This is the quintessential example of how badly this could go. But this came up as a story years ago. But in Australia, one priest, one, one, like count it, one priest confessed to committing 1,500 <gasps> acts of molestation over the course of 25 years, and he confessed this to 30 separate priests over the course of that time. No. And not a single one of those priests ever reported any of this to anybody, which is why the abuse continued. Yourself? That's a How whole different issue. How can you sleep at night being like, On a this bed dude, of children, This apparently. dude... Who just talked to me today and just talked to me last week and just talked to me the week before? I know right now. Right. He's molesting a child, and I'm just going to sleep him in, in my twin lounge. bed with my scratchy sheet and right. think that that's more important. The fact that I'm slightly uncomfortable when I sleep is more important than protecting human beings. That's, Fuck yourselves. That is the church's position on this. Again, if you're Catholic, but this is really where you're giving color, your money to. So I'm cool, right? No, no, dog. You're a monster. Fuckers. That's a good ending. Let's talk about the Covenant school tragedy, because that happened after we recorded last time, and we haven't talked about it on oh, here. boy. I know. Um, oh, I don't boy. need to rehash all the details right. here, but a killer uh, using an assault weapon uh, killed six people at the school. The only thing I want to point out now that I haven't heard discussed as much, I, I hope for some people, maybe, this puts to rest this suggestion that I've heard from Republicans so many times, that prayer in school would be the solution to our gun epidemic. Not like a thoughts and prayers sort of thing. I'm saying there have been people who said we need more prayer. Just to rattle off a couple of people here, uh, televangelist Kenneth Copeland said we need prayer in school because school shootings are the result of the Supreme Court decision from the 60s that removed forced Christian prayer from schools. Last year, Louis Gohmert, the congressman from Texas, said prayers 
would prevent mass shootings. Mike Huckabee has said the lack of thoughts and prayers is probably the single biggest factor when it came comes to gun violence. Uh, Tony Perkins the said it. Single biggest um, factor. Yeah. So all these morons. people are saying if we just had forced Christian prayer in school, put the Ten Commandments on the wall, mm-hmm. uh, do a Bible reading every day, that would those issues would not happen. And just to state the obvious here, this act of violence at Covenant, this was a private Christian school affiliated with the Presbyterian Church in America. Mm -hmm. It's run as a ministry of the Covenant Presbyterian Church. We're talking about like a very conservative religious denomination, especially on culture war issues. Mm -hmm. They prayed all the time. That school day, that horrible, awful school day began with the chapel service before all this happened. Again, I this I have many issues with religious schools altogether. This is not one of them. I'm saying p- lack of prayer wasn't their issue. They mm-hmm. had plenty of it. Mm-hmm. This happened regardless of that. Prayer was not a shield to protect them from the things that were happening, whatever no. the motivation was for the shooter. No, nor did it work in the Sikhs. Like in yeah. the, the Sikh temple and yes. the what in Christchurch in Christ New Zealand with, with Muslims there, I with mean, Jewish synagogues where that have been shot up. I mean South in the sixties in Birmingham, like they burnt down churches. Is that is it because they weren't praying good? Right. Is and this why? is something I just want to point out also. Like the people calling for more prayer as if that's a solution, they never do that when they actually want something to change. 100%. When it comes to elections, you will never hear Republicans say, just pray me into office. Or abortion. Or abortion. They will never say pray that people well, won't have to them. End abortion, but also <laughs> but enact legislation against yes, abortion. Yes, they know actions speak louder than words. They know that passing bills or installing like minded judges will get stuff done but when it comes to school shooting they think they they don't think they know they say that prayer is the way to stop it while at the same time making sure no legislation or as little as possible ever breaks through to actually because they know that would be effective Hmm. they know they're lying about this shit and yet they say it anyway it won't phase them that this happened at a christian school because they say the same prepared line about we need more prayer, we need more prayer when it happens in mosques and synagogues. Yeah. But the, again, we don't need forced prayer in school now because the gun crisis isn't the result of a lack of prayer. Um, it's a result of George W. Bush. <laughs> yes, he's the reason for all of it. Uh, moral of the story, dead kids are a price Republicans will gladly pay to continue again their violent and hobbies. Again and again and again They love the again. NRA more than the PTA. And again, going back to what we talked about earlier, why are so many Gen Z kids not interested in organized religion? Yeah, because they know this is bullshit and they know that these are not the moral people that you should be taking advice from on how to live your life. These are the people trying to hurt you and make sure you don't have a future. Mm -hmm. And good on them for figuring this out like earlier than all the other generations. By the way, what did Tennessee Republicans do? Nothing. Um, Well, they passed a law banning drag shows because they wanted to protect children. They did that this year. Um, Wait, banning drag shows writ large or just... Banning drag shows that minors might have access to because they want to protect children. And then when children are actually killed they're like sorry can't do yeah, anything I don't know about what it we could we have done nothing to fix for that. you no laws on the books um, could have ever as we fixed are a problem of the heart as we are recording this they're kicking out kicking out 
three Democratic members of the legislature Mm -hmm. for participating in protests against gun violence uh, in a way they said, like, mess with decorum. Were they uh, white uh, white representatives? Really? One of them was, I think. Two of them are not, I think. So you're saying that mm. black liberals who are duly elected to office in a very gerrymandered state are then handily kicked out? A legislature by people who were elected in the gerrymandered state. Am I getting that, that is correct? How it works. I wrote and this. That's democracy or not democracy? It is democracy oh. in giant quote hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I wrote this down. I feel like it's worth pointing out again. Uh, any god who let six people get murdered because not enough people were stroking his holy ego, Truly. not a god worth worshiping, I would say. It's just. Let's move on to something lighter. But also awful. This is an interesting study out of uh, Britain. Uh, it was published this week in the British Journal of Psychology. It basically says, uh, you know, in Britain, just as in the U.S., if you're a witness in a trial, you're a juror in a trial, you were told to place your hand on the Bible, say something like, uh, I swear to God that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, mm-hmm. if you're speaking in a jury. Uh, sorry, I say jury. Uh, if you're speaking at a trial, mm-hmm. you're a witness. But people who are not Christian in both countries, you could say, well, I don't feel comfortable saying an oath to God. Right. I will do a secular affirmation, like I promise to yeah, tell the truth, the I whole affirm, truth, nothing yeah. but the truth. Um, so the researchers in this particular case, they said that if you take a religious oath, place your hand on the Bible and take that oath to tell the truth. And the jurors take the same oath. Like you will do your best to adjudicate this case. If they, if you're a juror Mm -hmm. and I took the oath on the Bible and you're a witness and you took the oath on the Bible and someone else is a witness and took a secular affirmation, I am more likely to basically trust you than the other person, even though you were telling me the same story. Uh, so, here's what they God, found. the justice system fucking blows, doesn't it? Yep. People with no religious affiliation were equally likely to say that a defendant was guilty when a person took a religious oath or a secular affirmation, mm-hmm. just as it should be, right? Uh-huh. But among people who are religious oh boy. and took the religious oath... They were more likely to deem someone guilty if that person took a secular affirmation and then told the exact same story. Interesting. Yeah. Now, there's a bunch of variables to consider in this. Yeah, there are a lot. But, (laughs) but, and the researchers tried their best. Are we talking about a witness or a defendant? These are all defendants Defendants. in a hypothetical case. But they're saying if the juror took an oath on the Bible and the defendant took an oath on the Bible, they were more likely to believe the person who took the oath on the Bible, even though they had the same story. They also raised this question. This is from the report. In 2011, uh, 12,152 defendants were convicted by juries in the court system of England and Wales, while while 5,757 were acquitted by jury verdict. 12,000 convicted, 5,000 plus acquitted. Wow. How many of the 12,000 convicted defendants might have been acquitted if there had been no jury bias against a secular affirmation? Like, uh-huh. there's the numbers are too large for uh-huh. this hypothetical situation to never to have happened. Impact, yeah. So they tried to defend it. They tried to answer their own question. They said, if our numbers are right, mm. bias against affirming defendants would have resulted in in 822 additional convictions 
because jurors were biased against people who took a secular affirmation. Huh. Now, that's all speculation. Sure. But how many is too much, do you think? Like, one. One person being declared guilty yeah. because you didn't trust that person should be too much. Yes. And it seems like the number would be much, much higher based on the research they found. I should say, Humanist UK, you, which okay. analy- which looked at all this data, they basically saw two paths forward. One is just to abolish the oath entirely, right. and everyone does a secular affirmation, because right. that's the whole point. Promise to do your best, tell the truth, whatever. Mm-hmm. The other is, in addition to requiring everyone take a secular affirmation, allow religious people to swear an oath in private um, in front of court officials yeah, who have be... no connection to the judge or other jurors so that it doesn't impact that would be the decision. I mean, whatever it sensible. takes. So interesting uh, result. We already know from other research that people distrust atheists in general once oh, yeah. you know you're an a- someone's an atheist. Mm-hmm. And we want to remove that bias, yeah. especially in a jury case, in mm-hmm. a case that's on trial or something. So you don't think I should wear like all black and have a fedora tipped over my eyes when I'm in the, in the witness I, box? Do you ideally, think they won't? no. Okay, noted, noted, noted. Yep. I think all I right. could pull off a fedora though. Um, yeah, keep going. Never mind. Different case, a uh, different story out of Texas. This is a, I mean, Texas is known for having a Republican supermajority that can get away with filing any bill at once mm. and then probably getting it passed. This one is egregious, even on the long list of Texas stuff I have on this list. Oh, God. Um, there is a bill that was proposed recently, uh, SB 763. It's filed by a very conservative Republican, Mays Middleton. But basically, it would change state law State law right now says a school can employ, like, school counselors to help with mental health issues and all sorts of things. This law would amend state law to say schools can hire chaplains in In lieu lieu of people who actually know what they're doing. Here's what the new law would say. A school district may employ a chaplain instead of a school counselor to perform the duties required of a school counselor. Wait, because school counselors are like, oh, I'm having a hard day. Let me talk about it. But don't school counselors also like give you academic? They do input? a lot of stuff, not just or serve is that as a like just therapist. Where I went to school, okay. They do a lot of stuff, what but they're saying a chaplain could be employed by a public school district mm. instead of yeah. a school counselor. And wait, wait, here's the kicker. Oh, a chaplain employed under this subsection uh-huh. of the proposed law is not required to be certified. By the State Board for Educator Certification. That is what I was about to so, ask, is what certifies one as a chaplain? Could I be a chaplain? As a chaplain, yeah. if the authority that made you a chaplain, the church in question, uh-huh. said, well, you fulfilled our qualifications, uh-huh. our training, then that's it. So there's no like standardized certification? Right. Of course not. Why would I think of course that? that's not. stupid? But in essence, a school would be able to bring in local pastors who have no formal certification to work with children while dismissing the experts who are actually trained to help kids and have degrees to back that up. Does it feel like we're living in like a dystopian novel sometimes? Yes, it's called Texas. <laughs> a Houston Chronicle article last year noted that Texas public schools that serve 98% of students did not meet the Texas Education Agency's recommendation what was that of one count. Nine, basically, schools serving 98% of the kids, Whoa. they do not have one counselor per 250 students, which is, which the-, is the recommended number. They have fewer. Now, some school districts are going to have a good a number of counselors, but maybe they don't have enough. Is it a staffing issue? 
Is that what he's trying to allow for? Sometimes it's funding. The state does not provide districts funding specifically earmarked for hiring counselors, social workers, nurses, and psychologists. Districts have to cobble together resources from federal money, from local money, as well as partnerships with nonprofit groups. So again, some districts can pull that off. Most cannot, and a lot of them don't do anything. And basically the idea here, like how could anyone defend this bill? The defense of the bill is, well, for districts that have a hard time hiring the people to fill these roles, let's make sure they can get chaplains who can do it instead. And it's like, why don't you give them funding to hire good people who know how to do the job? They don't want to do that. So they want to say, well, why don't you just go to a local church and get the help you need from them? That's the argument that the Republicans are making here. By the way, here's the other thing to point out. Texas currently has a budget surplus of <laughs> roughly, wait, wait for it, of roughly fucking kidding me? $32.7 billion. Then why did people freeze to death last year in their houses? Uh, because they Texas doesn't care if you're struggling. Wait, they have a... $33 billion dollar budget surplus. And what are they doing? Is this surplus they, earmarked for something? Or is it nope, just they can for use a rainy day as fund? as they want. Like, I don't know. Our children are dying. Listen, guns are expensive to buy. I am astounded. I have, I... They could give I, these schools, the for all the talk about, well, you know what we need to stop school vi- gun violence? We need better mental health. Well, then use some of that budget surplus to get mental health. For kids who need it, get them the counselors and trained professionals they need. Is, but no, they're saying, you know what? You could fire all of them, save some money, get some chaplains. Is $38 billion less? 33, yeah. $33 billion less than I think it is? Like, does it not go as far as I think it You're should? You're saying is, is $32 billion worth, like, nothing in Texas? Like, is it one of those, like, yeah, it's $32 billion, like but Like, everything's bigger to... in Texas, including numbers, well, and so it's actually, like, I mean, $4 uh, in Illinois money? I mean, just, no. No, uh, I mean, <laughs> stupid. No, I mean, like, does $32 billion not go as far toward nope. infrastructure nope. as I think it might? Is it like. They could use it to do so many good things and they will do zero of those things. And they're just not going to do it because they want to be quote, they are unquote, financially responsible. They are so for them, financial responsibility mm-hmm. means hoarding your money like a dragon. Yes. And letting everybody else die. Yes. It's called what Jesus would do. So this bill. I'm truly astounded by this. This this bill is being pushed by the National School Chaplain Association, which kind of gives away the game Mm. right in its name. It says, (laughs) here's what it says. This is astonishing. They their hand, eh? Um, According to some report, the majority of students have experienced at least one incident of violence while they were in school. In addition, Hmm. most victims say it has negatively impacted their mental health. Most? And made them consider dropping out or moving to another school. The NSCA's chaplains help these students by giving them a solid spiritual foundation and a safe space to express their pain and frustrations. So they are like, you guys, you know what's a problem in Texas? The lack of mental health for students who are going through trauma. And we have the solution. It's Jesus. I am astounded. Not, Not counselors who have mental health training. Nope. Just Jesus. And again, this is Texas. There's, they have the votes to pass this sort of bill. I Just, just to give you a point of reference, by the, the way. What's the point, then? In the military, 
they have done the same sort of thing where they have chaplains available and they're supposed to be, I don't care if you're a Muslim chaplain or a Christian chaplain, you're supposed to be able to serve everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the argument... somehow, right? By their religious oh, yeah. bodies. Self-hate. But the argument has been made. There are humanist groups that provide training for their own chaplains and yet the military, the U.S. military has said, yeah, but we, you don't count. Yeah. And there have been arguments and lawsuits for years saying, you got to allow us to bring these in. But that should, when you think about that, then you realize where are they going to get the... Because the bill in question mm-hmm. does not say Christian chaplains. It just says no. chaplains. Theoretically, it's well, open there's to... there's a lot of Muslim to, chaplains exactly. out there. How many Muslim chaplains do you think schools in Texas are going to try to bring in? Zero of is course. the answer. So like, and why would a Muslim or atheist student be better off meeting with a Christian chaplain and not a trained social worker. No reason. And no one cares because that's not the point of this bill. The point of the bill is to get religion in school in whatever ways possible. And this is another way to do it. It's so insane. This is hilarious. I looked at the website for the National School Chaplains Association. This is an actual line on its website. Oh, God. Mass shooting and teens killed or injured by gun violence is at an all-time high. Make your school safer by hiring a chaplain. I swear that is a line on the website. Like, like they didn't connect the dots there. They just pointed at the two dots, refused to connect them. Um, Mays Middleton, the Texas Republican who filed that bill, he's notorious for promoting Christian nationalism. He's the one who brought a bill bringing Bible readings to public schools, another that would get away with, uh, do away with church-state separation altogether in Texas. Absolutely. Um, He's pushing this because he believes churches and his church specifically should dictate all state policy. Cool. Like, again, Texas bills are always bad, but man, that one's just like... What? Notoriously Nightmare people. Fuck, man. That's rough. Let me jump to West Virginia Did you say here. that was a funny story or something like that? I never like, said any such thing. Um, <laughs> here's a funny story. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> there's a federal lawsuit against, like, the West Virginia Division of Corrections and Rehabilitation. West Virginia prisons, basically, run by the government. Okay. American Atheist is suing them. Why? Because according to them, their client, his name is Andrew Miller, this was a guy who was put in prison in 2021... Um, No one's arguing that he should absolutely be in prison. He was uh, convicted of breaking and entering. He's serving a sentence. Uh, According to the website on the department's website, like he's his projected release date is a year from now, uh, two years from now, 2025. Okay. Okay. Whatever. If he's a good inmate, quote unquote, like uh, good behavior and all that, maybe he'll be be released sooner because whatever. Fine. But according to the lawsuit, the West Virginia Department of Corrections has a program that basically says if you want a chance to be on parole and get out of prison sooner, mm. you have to go through. And, and uh, you have had some problems with substance abuse. Uh, you have to go through a hey. rehab program that we run. Mm-hmm. And only if you have substance abuse and you want parole, you got to go through the program and pass it. And only then will we even consider your parole. And what he did, this guy, Andrew, um, he had substance abuse problems. Mm -hmm. He began going through this. uh, It's a six to 12 month program. Okay. Um, And 
he said when I started the program, it basically is chock full of Christianity. Like the handbook, if you look at it, it has the Lord's Prayer, the Serenity Prayer, God grant me the ability to change stuff, whatever. It has the infamous 12 steps from Alcoholics Mm -hmm. Anonymous, which you have to give yourself over to a higher power. Mm -hmm. And here's a direct quote from the handbook. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Perfect. Our leaders are not are but trusted servants. They do not govern. God is whatever. Yeah, that's so, secular to me. All, and by the way, some of the required homework he had to do involved telling the course leader what God means to him, what prayer means to him. And so, again, he was told he had to go through this program. He knew it was religious, so he asked in a letter, formal letter to, like, the commissioner, Mm -hmm. he said, look, I don't want, I'm an atheist, I don't want to do this, the religious nature of this program. I would love to go through an alternative, and in fact, there is an alternative substance abuse program that he could go through. Mm -hmm. He even suggested it, but he was open to whatever, Uh and the request was denied. Right. And then he appealed it, and that was denied. Like, this goes on many, many times over. This went to Supreme Court, right? Nothing has happened yet, but he's just been rejected time and time again. Basically, no one is even considering, like, what he's... Same. Have we talked about this guy, or is nope, there a different guy who had the You're AA about thing? Oh, the, the United Airlines pilot. Yeah, it's a different oh, story. Okay, okay, okay. So American Atheist is now taking up this case on his behalf, Good. saying, "Look, West Virginia, like too many states, is forcing Christianity on incarcerated people in their facilities mm-hmm. as a condition of release. You can't make them acknowledge, like, pledge allegiance to God, Truly. the Christian God specifically, if they want parole. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do that. No one." Uh, should be compelled to sacrifice their moral or religious creed to obtain release from incarceration. Good. Like, this is not a complicated request. No one is saying he shouldn't serve his time. Mm -hmm. No one is saying he should get special treatment. But a Christian inmate should not have to adopt Islam to get out of prison sooner. And there's way more of them. Mm -hmm. And an atheist inmate shouldn't have to pretend to be Christian for the parole board to deem him worthy of freedom. I mean, the irony here is he's the honest one in this mix saying, Uh listen, I can't honestly pledge allegiance to God. And they're like, I just want to be. Yeah. And they're saying, God doesn't care. If you want to be deemed ethical and like a good person enough that we could release you from behind bars, Mm. we we need you to lie. Like he's the one trying to take the moral (laughs) high ground here. Um, Listen, this shouldn't be a complicated case. It doesn't mean a judge is going to go along with it. Mm. Uh, but I'm trying to envision how they could get away with saying otherwise. I couldn't figure they it just out. just did for that United but. case. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. The yeah. world is unjust and unfair <sighs> and miserable. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> just annoying. Uh, here's, <laughs> I, I, like I said, there's a lot of lawsuits this week. This one did make me laugh. Oh, good. Um, we've, there was a case in Maine. Uh, a church in Maine is suing the state, saying state officials are stopping it from receiving taxpayer-funded tuition dollars that the Supreme Court said was legal. So I want to explain the story because this is a wild story. Okay. Last year, the Supreme Court ruled the case was Carson v. Macon. They basically said Maine has a voucher program that they have because a lot of st- Kids in Maine live in rural areas. Uh They don't have a public school that is nearby them. So the state says, well, you deserve an education. That's a right you have. We will give you money so you can go to a private school that is local to you Mm -hmm. if there's no public school around. 
all well and good. Yeah. Then religious organizations that run religious schools said, well, we want to be part of this mix too. What if a kid lives next to us? Can they get taxpayer money to come to our mm-hmm. private school? And the state said, no, you can't because you're a religious school. We can't have taxpayer dollars promoting religion like that. They sued. That case went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court last year basically said, nope, if you're going to have a voucher program like that, Maine, you got to include religious schools in the mix. Now, here's what we talked about after that happened, because it was a horrible decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Sonia Sotomayor said in her dissent in that case, today the court leads us to a place where separation of church and state becomes a constitutional violation. Now, here's the amazing thing. Hmm. Lawmakers in Maine, they kind of saw that coming from a mile away because right. it's the Supreme Court. So they kind of took action to nullify what they knew the Supreme Court was going to do. So basically what they said is rather than stick with their old law that banned money from going to religious schools, which the Supreme Court said you can't do that Uh anymore, they passed a new law that said, fine, our new law says taxpayer dollars cannot go to any school that discriminates against people on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Okay. It doesn't say anything about religion. Religious schools are eligible for the money now, as long as you're not discriminating against gay kids, trans kids, or anything like that. It's a little more technical Uh, than that, but that's the basis for what they did. So now religious schools can receive the money, taxpayer dollars, but the lawmakers are like, fine, but you got to agree not to discriminate. You can't say, like, we're not going to hire gay teachers. You can't say trans kids are not permitted at this school. Then, sure, we'll give you, you the money. Do you think it's overall helpful to separate the homophobia at all with the Christianity? As far because as I'm we wondering- just need some sort of reason to hit back at these religious schools, it's a fine, neutral way to do it. It just feels a little bit like granting their premise of like Christianity There's is something neutral. Special. It's the neutral default. So yeah. it's not the way like male and white is the default. Yeah. I understand like the singling out of sexual orientation of gender identity being an issue, but also it worked. No, no, I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like big picture shit of like, is this a smart path to go down of saying like, fine, uh, private school or fine, if Christian I could schools. think of an alternative that would have worked. I would grant you that. I don't know what the good alternative would be. So for now, this works for me. So that move by the main legislature Uh forced the Christian schools that went to the Supreme Court, uh, specifically Temple Academy and the Bangor main Christian schools, Uh they had to decide what mattered more. Do you want the taxpayer-funded tuition dollars that you you worked so hard to get? Flaming homophobes. Or do you want the bigotry? And so both schools in their Supreme Court briefs made it very clear that bigotry was vital to their mission. They were not going to alter. They're not going to alter how we operate in order to receive public funding. And how dare you ask me to? And so the funny thing is, by last August, well after the Supreme Court decision, after this law was passed, there was literally only one Christian school that had opted into the voucher program, and it wasn't even one of the schools that went to the Supreme Court about it. Yep, everyone else was like, bigotry matters more than the funding. So now... So it sounds like this is a big, fat waste of a lot of people's time and money. Except for the fact that it damaged church-state separation writ large. But here's the thing. Yes, that's kind of what I meant. (laughs) Now, the church that runs the Bangor Christian Schools, it's called Cross Point Church, they're now suing the state of Maine again, basically saying, hey, that little checkmate, move Uh, you did on us. I hate it. I hate it. That's illegal. Here's what it says. This 
poison pill effectively deters religious schools from participating and thereby perpetuates the religious discrimination <laughs> at the heart of the sectarian exclusion. Can I just say somebody mentioned that they really like your like bad person voice and I didn't know what they <laughs> meant until you just did that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. There you go. <laughs> I have, I do one voice and yeah, that's the it's, one. It's like old school marm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The children are saying that yes. this. Yeah, it's old school harm. <laughs> I just need a little thin mustache to, yeah. But basically what their argument is, they want to perpetuate bigotry and they want to be rewarded for it. They're furious that the state of Maine is putting civil rights over their desire yeah. to promote faith-based Fuck hatred. That civic institution for promoting civil rights. And like, the, <laughs> if you read the lawsuit, it says that this quote-unquote poison pill prevents them from teaching from its religious perspective. Sounds like your religious perspective their, sucks. Their religious perspective is promoting anti-LGBTQ bigotry. That's core to their faith. And they wonder again why young people want nothing to do with them. It's it truly it. Like, listen, I mean, just that like high school class who came into me to like came into the barn this week. Truly, if the uh, if the GOP and the Christian right are going to die on the hill of like the gender binary, they are fucked because like none of those kids were dressed according to any kind of gender I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And I appreciate that and I encourage it. But I'm just saying, GOP, in 10 years, you guys have lost this battle. Maine's attorney general chimed in with a statement. If abiding by this state law is unacceptable to the plaintiffs, they are free to forego taxpayer funding. Like, that's it. You don't get... Fucking mic drop. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Take the tuition dollars and don't discriminate. Mm -hmm. Or just say we're bigots and then you don't get the money. It's It's that simple. It's a pretty simple choice. Sounds like. Um, I will say, like, if they win at all here, like, trying to think of how they could get away with it, it'll be on some legal technicality. It's not going to be because they have some ethical or moral upper hand here. Just uh, however this plays out. Yeah, I can't think of any... Because that's a... Because gay people are a protected class, right? In or, Maine? In Maine? Yeah. So they can that's get completely away. above board. Should be. Oh, boy. Let's see. Uh, here's a story for you. This is uh, another mega church uh, story. But basically, there is a Seattle area church. It's called Church Home with the H shared by both words. It's like church home. Mm. Um, church home. Church home, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, A former staffer who worked at this church has filed a lawsuit against the church and its pastors and its CEO, basically saying, I used to work for these people. CEO of a church? Oh, mega churches love their CEOs. Yep. Um, Basically saying she was hired to work for them. She did video editing for their sermons and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, She says they forced her to give them 10% of her paycheck as a tithe. No. And just like deducted it from the paycheck. And that violates state law in uh, Washington. Holy So here's the story. Shit. Uh, her name is Rachel Kellogg. She worked at the church for more than two years, starting in 2019. And the thing is, and if you look at this lawsuit, she, she has attachments that are like, here's the job description. Uh-huh. At no point. It says, here's the expected salary, right. but it depends on your experience. Of course, DOE. Uh, all the normal stuff you would expect from a normal uh, job posting. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, at no point was she told that 10% of her paycheck she would have to give back, basically effectively reducing her monthly salary. So they lied about the salary. Wow. And here's what happened. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. 
they lied about the salary. So um, the salary that they listed was her salary minus the ten percent, or they said it was ten percent lower than her salary actually was. I have no idea what you just said. Top. What they said is if you were, if we said this is a hundred thousand uh-huh. dollars a year, you ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars was going to go back to the church, Got but it. they did not say that anywhere. So it's what I was proposing was. Is the salary actually one hundred and ten thousand dollars? Nope, they but didn't say that. We only tell you it's one hundred thousand dollars, right. so we can. And in just her skip case, it was way less. Okay. Um, but basically, sure. when COVID stopped in-person church services, the pastor of this church, Judah Smith, uh, he told all staffers, "Hey, everybody." You can work from home. We'll still keep doing this thing. Uh, the tithing requirement is still in effect. And he also pointed out some employees have been, quote, fired because they were not tithing. And he also quoted wow. one of the church board members, Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seahawks. <laughs> what? He was like, even Russell is saying tithing is a black and white issue, you guys. Uh, you should, you and should that be he glad needs to, to tithe. Do this. Yeah, everyone needs to tithe. And again, this is a message to employees, not church members. These are employees who might have less allegiance to the church than the people who actually go every week. But she she basically said she had to agree to let them deduct 10% of her paycheck. Like, you know how you get the the slip that says, here's your paycheck, and then here's all the deductions for taxes and stuff? Like, nope, it also lists on there, like, here's the 10% you're giving back. Here's the thing, though, in her case, in the case of uh, 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 Laura, uh, Rachel Kellogg, she said later that year, uh, in 2020... She was in a car accident. She faced injuries, medical expenses. She needed to buy a new car. She also, for different reasons, had to move to a newer, more expensive place because her previous landlord canceled the lease. (laughs) The point being, whatever money she's making, she has to keep because she has a lot of bills to pay. So in 2021, she said, uh, like, because I forgot if she was letting them deduct the 10% or she was separately writing them a check for the 10%. I but in 2021, not. she stopped letting the church take 10% from her paycheck. And then she was verbally reprimanded for that uh. and told to change her ways. And she said, I will after I save some money and get some more padding in my so bank she account. she wasn't even met. I mean, she was fine with the tithing. In it was general, just like, but she's right like, now, I'm, going I'm in a bind. Shit. I yeah. need the support of my employer and my church, which <laughs> right. is supposed to be part of your support system you and your think. community. But what the fuck do yeah. I know? By January of 2022, mm. that verbal reprimand was in writing and she tried. She, Kellogg tried to make contributions to the church throughout oh, the year. Like here's a few bucks here. Here's a few bucks there, but it wasn't regular and it was not 10%. So one of her supervisors told her in February of this year, like, I've fallen under hard times in the past, too, but I chose to sell my house <gasps> instead of not tithing. That was a bad financial decision then. I, yeah, I have many questions about why also, he chose to sell this house. Lie. Bald face lie? Sure. Bald face lie. But he's like, I sold my house instead of not tithing. Where do you live? I don't know, but it's like, you can't expect everyone to have the ability to make the same sort of decision. What do you want to bet? It doing? is not his... Primary yes. house. What do you want to bet? It's like, oh, we let go like of the I, house in Aspen, I, have I guess. many questions about it. Yeah. But basically, in their Slack channels at the at the church, uh, they're all saying, like, you have supervisors saying, like, hey, everybody, you need to tithe. You need to tithe. You have that guy saying, the guy who said he sold his house, He's he has a private Slack message 
to, to Rachel her. that says, hey, Rachel, hope you're well, dot, dot, dot. No, the ask is that four weeks from now, you do tithe regularly. I'm sure it's going to feel tough to make that jump, but I truly believe God will cover your needs and more. Jesus. It's a small sacrifice for what God's done for each of us, and I know you know that. So at what point does he say, hey, I know you're having a hard time. We're here for you. If you need to lean on us, we are going to help you. If you need a place to stay, uh-huh. we're going to help you. If you need rides because you can't get a car, uh-huh. we are here for you. I'm looking at and his message and I why, don't see it. And that's why we're all contributing to this tie. So it's sort of like an emergency fund here's, for us all. Here's Rachel's comment back to him. Hi, Joe. Thanks for letting me know that. For clarity, in four weeks' time, does that mean the executive team is asking for a full 10% going forward? Also, what happens if we're unable to fulfill that yeah. at the start? Correct. Four weeks from now, you're tithing. And then later he said, it is expected if you are on the team that you tithe. And if not, it does sound like that would lead to being removed from staff. This is truly a faith practice. And I know it's not easy. It's tough to have faith when you really don't know what the other side looks like. What? Let me know if I can help. What? Well, the other side looks like you can keep 10% of your paycheck. Yeah, I'm very true. This is Washington State? But Yes, and here's the thing. Over and over, between screenshots from Slack, Mm. between the job listing and all that, there's just admission after admission that all employees are required to do something that was never spelled out when they took their jobs. And the Slack messages I just read you, those Mm. are from like earlier in March, like recently. Like last month? Yeah. Like this is not some voluntary act of generosity inspired by faith, which... Is what it's By and large, that's what a tithe is. This is her bosses saying, no, 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 you're required to give us the money back. And it says so in the company handbook. And the handbook, which she also provides a screenshot of, says, as an employee of the church, we expect you to tithe and be generous with your time, finances, and other resources. Oh, boy. If you ever see be generous with your time in a job description, run as fast and far as you can, especially yeah. if you're on salary. But that does not say Generous 10% is going to be taken out. And by the way, the job advertised positions then, what this means in practice is that when this church advertised positions, mm-hmm. they were falsely overstating the actual salaries yeah. they were offering for these job listings since the paychecks were going to be smaller. Mm. Like, just because, like, oh, I had to give up some of my paycheck back because I love Jesus. No, you still have to say that in the job listing. Right. The church lied to the public about how much they were paying employees. Right. Um, by the way, in the state of Washington, requiring employees to give wages back to them, their employers is illegal, even if this is a church. Um, is there a reason this isn't already like are they not being sued already what is why is what they the were not up? in the past what's um, the holdup there's no holdup it just got filed oh the lawsuit oh, oh, just oh, got oh, filed oh, that's gotcha, the gotcha, issue gotcha, 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 um, gotcha. i will what makes this even more egregious is that this church church home in 2022 they had 35.4 million dollars in assets they're not struggling for money um, and by the way, the church has not said much about the lawsuit at all because they're just like, well, we can't comment on I'm so uh, any of this. Mad but right now. the church's attorney said in to the Seattle Times that the tithing requirement falls under the church's First Amendment freedom to hire those who choose to abide by church teaching. That's 
not Which, how the First Amendment works. To put another way, dog, the what church, the, fuck are you the church about? already has the legal right to say, like, well, if you want to work for us, you have to agree that marriage is restricted to one man and yeah. one woman, and trans people aren't people. They're allowed to do that because they're a religious organization. But he's saying, well, yeah, that also gives us the right to steal money from the our First employees. First Amendment right to? Could you just read that again? It was so good. Yeah, the uh, we have a the church has a First Amendment freedom to hire those who choose to abide by church teaching. But That's the problem so with much that argument... Salad. And at no point does it say that they have a financial responsibility mm-hmm. to you. And the problem with the argument is that churches like this, they don't hide their bigotry. They don't hide their opposition yeah. to same-sex equality, to, to trans rights. They say that all mm-hmm. right up front. When it comes to stealing from your paycheck, though, mm-hmm. they hide that. Yeah. They just say employees are expected to comply with lifestyle expectations and church attendance expectations. expectations. Like they tell people to describe your relationship with Jesus on the job application. What they don't say is we're taking 10% of your paycheck. If the church was honest, they might not be in this mess. No, they wouldn't. Um, and the weird thing is... They, they would have trouble staffing, but they wouldn't yeah. be in this mess. They could have just increased the salary to make sure the tides don't affect their employees' lives. That's literally what I was going to say. Right? Is like, they sounds like you guys it. need to do some work in the back end. Because if your budget is relying on every one of your employees giving back 10%, then your books are hopelessly out of whack. Because yeah. that's not how budgets do. Yeah. I can't be like, okay... My budget this month, I'm going to pay X amount in mortgage, and then my my bank is going to give me $400 back so uh-huh. I can just, you know, just beer money, just playing around money. Yeah. And again, they did this to an employee who went through an accident, had to move, had needed... that part. ...was li- basically living paycheck to paycheck, and then the church said, give us some of your paycheck. Have you... I, I cannot think of a more clean and clear example of what churches claim to be versus what churches are. (laughs) Can you think of a single thing? So somebody who works for them, right? So part of their community in a very significant way went through a hard time. And from what I understand, obviously I haven't heard the whole story. Oh, you've heard the whole story. No support from (laughs) the church for which she works. Didn't seem like it formally. No. Had to make some financial decisions so she could stay afloat. Mm hmm. Again, the church did nothing to help, even though genuinely the only good thing churches bring to the table is like a sense of community. Right. Genuinely, that's. I mean, even if they it. did help her, they at some point no, they no, no. said, "We're still taking from Th- you." That's the thing is, even if they did all the tithing thing, like if they had been like, "Hey, this is why we tithe. We tithe so we have this pool of thirty-five million dollars or whatever. So hey, we're gonna take care of two months' rent rent for you, so you can get back up on your feet." Take it, don't worry about tithing until the first of next year. And then once you are ready, this is how this is how our community right. works. They did not do that. No, none of those things. None of not those. A, not a I, one. I don't know if they did or not. Doesn't I feel like sound. We would have heard. Doesn't about that sound by like now. they did. I feel like the church would have immediately come out and been like, <laughs> "Yeah, but also we paid for her car and we did this." They right. said they did not say that. Therefore, they did I didn't nothing. see that. Um, I should say this is also being filed as a class action lawsuit. So she's basically her and her lawyer are saying, listen, other employees, other former employees, if you want a piece of this, come on board if you feel like you were cheated out of your wages, too. Is this going to start a trend? Man, I hope so. Because here's the thing. This is what I have heard from plenty of other people. Like they worked for the Mormon church. They worked for other places. And there was an expectation that you had to tithe, even though you were an employee and stuff. 
But it was all known ahead of time. It was spelled out ahead of time. So as odious as that practice is, it was not a surprise or anything like that. This was a surprise to the employee. And the church, like, only hinted at it at best. But then once she was hired, they're like, oh, no, this is a part of the job description we did not tell you about. But also, you need to do it or you're going to get fired. According to church law and tax... Incorporation of the presiding bishop versus Amos. Um, the Supreme Court approved the firing of a church employee who failed to maintain a temple recommendation of his local congregation of the LDS church. They couldn't recommend for employment unless he was a member in good standing. So he wasn't tithing. Therefore, he wasn't a member in good standing. And they said, yeah, you can definitely um, definitely fire him for that. If the church withholds the tithes right. the from church the church can do pays, what it wants. It can only withhold the tithes after the withholding of payroll taxes, I have the no idea if that. I don't know if that applies to what we are talking about for the state law case sure. here. But yeah, the the point is, I don't mm. know if the lawsuit will work. But man, it raised a lot of questions about why this church has to lie to its employees uh, if it thinks this is a totally sound policy. Yeah, it tells you where their ethics are. Um, I did want to jump to one more story here okay. that was uh, troubling. It's a short one. This happened on the same day that the Covenant School in Nashville uh, went through its tragedy, which Uh makes it all the more disturbing. But here's what happened. That same Monday, a couple weeks ago, a guy named uh, Ryan Foley, he's 20 years old, he went to Millard South High School in Omaha, Nebraska. He basically said, I need to pick up some transcripts, which is normal, Mm -hmm. fine. So he went back to the high school to pick up the transcripts. Before he left, though... He stopped by the cafeteria at the school where kids were eating lunch and started screaming about Jesus to all of them. And there are TikTok videos uh, with kids saying, oh, my God, this this crazy evangelist is in our cafeteria screaming about like they're making fun of him as they should. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this guy goes on TikTok saying, look at what I did, everybody. I talked about Jesus. I need all of you to be bold. I'm quoting, be bold and courageous about the word of God. Like he did something special here, Mm -hmm. even though other videos of the same incident are kids like, what the fuck is happening here? But here's the issue. I don't know where he got the video of him preaching from. um, But, and he also added weird hashtags like green screen video and high school musical to the video. I think he was just adding on popular hashtags so people would watch his. But, but he uh, said in the video, like, uh, I was what you call popular in high school. Um, oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, man. Oh, he's like, boy. I was on the football. I'm so embarrassed yeah. already. He's Ooh. like, I was on the football team. I had sex in high school. That sort of thing. But based on the body language, the kids in school are like, dude, you're a loser. What are you doing? I'm sorry, if you're more than 25 and you talk about how popular you were in high school in a braggy way, not in a like, yeah, this is how my high school was, it is so deeply and fundamentally embarrassing for me to deal with. So if y'all could just stop. (laughs) I can't. Um, So the principal that morning, uh, the principal of the school sent out a message that afternoon letting Mm -hmm. them know, uh, here's what he said. There was an incident at school today during the lunch hour. A former student came into the school for a transcript. On his way out of school, he went to the lunchroom and made some impromptu announcements about religion. Mm -hmm. A school administrator immediately intervened and escorted him out of the building. The situation disrupted the day, and we simply want to keep you informed. 
which, okay. all right, fine. I mean, impromptu announcements about a religion is a weird way to describe it, but right. I, I, I give you that. But this happened Monday morning of the shooting in Tennessee. By Tuesday, they sent another announcement saying, we are reviewing our procedures for visitors who need to access the school beyond the front office. Good. Basically saying, this guy said he was coming in for transcripts, and, and then, then he did something else mm-hmm. with access to kids mm-hmm. that he didn't say he was going to do. We were not watching him do it. That's our bad. And that could have been very bad. Yeah. Um, wow. So Good for them for like. They're changing up their whole security protocol now because of what this dumb evangelist did because he's so cocky and Maybe certain he that he's doing lives, something good. Hammond. Maybe he saved lives because they're going to update their their thing and then a school shooter. Best case <sighs> scenario, a school shooter comes in and lives are saved. Right, Hammett? That's positive ending for this story. Am I, am I getting it right? Oh, yeah. The bottom line is nothing he did that day will turn people into Christians. It'll only cause those kids to be like, oh, Christianity, right. That's yeah. the cringy religion where people do stupid shit. I mean... Um, I did go through his... TikToks because you know me and rabbit holes. Sure. Um, here's what I found in his older TikToks. Um, he's basically, no, I don't have a picture. He's just alpha bro type. Um, but he basically says like, you guys back in the day, oh he's 20, he's 20. Back oh in the boy. day, I used to watch, uh, trans porn and gay porn and darker and darker stuff. And then I, then I acted on my homosexual desires and he goes on and on about this. And the thing is, I don't care. I don't care what this guy does oh, in his I private do. I life. I want to hear about his gay encounter. But the whole point is like, okay, if you're, no one cares. Out. No one wants to hear this, but you are very certain that everyone wants to hear every detail of this, which I find to be a very fascinating thing for anyone to do. Uh, um, yeah, and then yeah. to walk into a cafeteria, like, you know what you all need? Me talking me to you. Because I know you all look at me and think, wow, I want to be like him. Yeah, that 20-year-old guy who's picking up transcripts for only good things, for yes, sure. and dabbling in Jesus. desires. And gay, so I'm time. really curious about his his trans exploration. I really, honestly, I have many questions. Does he describe for him. his gay encounter? Because I swear to fucking not, God, I will watch the shit out of that. Not in detail. God damn it! I did watch. I was hoping, but no, 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 no explanation. That's too bad. I was so curious. So curious. Um, but he he has posted he was in high school or college. Uh, well, now he's 20. I don't know what he's doing, he but not he in has done high school or post high school. This, well, I don't know. But he did say now uh, in a follow-up video that he just felt called to do something after he picked up his transcripts because sin runs rampant through high schools. And also he said he has no regrets and he would do it again. Wow. So, good times. Good Raid times. the room. Yeah, no dude. kidding. Wow. I'll stop there for now. Wow, wow, wow. How many do we get through? Uh, I, I counted 10 stories 10? with another like 27 to go. Yeah, but we'll, I see Locke we'll down there. Anything good with Locke? Uh, uh, there's a lawsuit against him because he didn't file any of his like business paperwork. Oh, yay. I love when they get into like boring legal mm-hmm. trouble. It's really it is. funny. People are suing hate preacher Greg Locke because of boring legal shit. Ugh. But also he's Mwah. like, you guys, you're persecuting. <laughs> he doesn't have a defense. It's great. Sure. It's great. I, because his defense is, I'm Christian, therefore I get to do whatever yeah. I want. And as soon as that stops being a thing, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. you guys yep. are confused again. Yep. All right. Um, so hopefully everybody got their stickers, who I sent them out to. If I owe you a sticker and you've signed up like pr- in 2020, up till 2022, I probably finished them. If you didn't receive yours, just let me know. 
Um, I'm coming out of like a crazy busy time. Um, bonus episode stuff. Do you have anything to talk about in bonus episode? Um, I don't know yet. What okay. do you got? Uh, I'm going to talk about the dentist I just went to. Go Fresh on. Fresh in my mind. We're going to talk about the show Chicago, which is the sequel, the second season of Schmigadoon. And okay. I watched the first episode of it and it rules. Um, a whole fucking conversation I had to have with my Adventist friends about men saying that they should be humble. Okay. Um, my uh, hang with the high school kids uh, at the barn um, and how I got to tell how them that Trump got arrested. How do you do, kids? Got how do you it. do, kids? Fellow kids, thank yes. you. And then two books that I just read, Lessons in Chemistry and Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute. That's two. Lessons huh. in Chemistry is one. Huh. Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute is another. Um, both are... Lovely, warm, wonderful reads, and I would highly recommend them. All right, we'll talk about that. Maybe I'll talk about where I went for like a week. Oh, yeah, I forgot you left. I did for like a little bit. Um, Cool. Where do we find you? You can always find me on Twitter at uh, Jess Blumke. Uh, You can find us at our Facebook page, The Friendly Atheist Podcast. There's a Discord server if you like that. Yeah, we have an email address. We haven't been getting many emails lately. Send us your emails. Friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. Yep, go to patreon.com slash friendlyatheistpodcast to support this show. We really do appreciate your support. And you can always go on iTunes and leave us a review. The last one is from Extra SC, so Extra South Carolina. Um <laughs> Less lonely. Living in a bright red city can be a lonely place. Thank you for the escape you provide me each week. You've got a friend in me. Aww. Five stars. That's very cute, Thanks. Extra SC. Thank you so much. All right. All we'll right. see you next week. Bye, Bye. everybody.